You're listening to Comedy Central. Is anybody a, a Braves fan in here? No one? Well, fine, let's talk about them. Yeah, they won the World Series. Here's a question I have. Maybe you guys can explain this to me as a, as a non-American. Why are they still doing the chop thing, the tomahawk chop? Like, I see that in the stands. People, uh, why, they, like, why are they doing that? How is that still a thing? Also, why is it that white people never seem to have rhythm until it's some racist shit? <laughs> like, it's really convenient to me. When you're like, come on, dance with me. They're like, I, I don't even know. And then you're like, Tom, I'll chuck everyone in unison. Bam, bam, hit your marks. Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city in America. It's The Daily Show, ears edition. Tonight, America sees red. Representative Katie Porter and Charlemagne the God. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Let's jump straight into today's headlines because, wow, yesterday was election day and it was not a good day for the Democrats. Yeah. Last night was the worst night for the Democrats since Kamala Harris went out for cigarettes and never came back. So let's get into the Democrats' disastrous night in our new and maybe frequently recurring segment, The Red Wedding. All right, let's start in the city that shook up the world in 2020. Since the police killing of George Floyd, Minneapolis citizens have been debating whether they should make defund the police a reality in their city. So yesterday, they finally voted on a plan that would reorganize and rename the police department, give some of their functions to non-police, and make cops more accountable. And that ballot measure lost by 12 points, which, let me tell you now, in politics is not that close. It's not like losing a football game by 12. It's like losing a baseball game by 12. Yeah, that locker room is quiet. Now, one reason it lost was probably that the details of the plan were complicated and what some voters heard was just the phrase, abolish the police. Because not a lot of people have time in their life to read the text of legislation. And the people that like to spend their free time reading bills, well, they could explain it to their friends, but they don't have any. But other voters did understand the plan and they just didn't want it. The African-American community is in a quandary because historically and currently, we are abused by police disproportionately. And on the other hand, we also are abused and killed by our neighbors. And so it's a quandary we're in. And when you live here though, you realize that we can't sacrifice one to address the other. Yeah, I see where that man is coming from. Because even if black people don't love cops, the situation for them is more nuanced than you might think. I mean, even NWA, they didn't want to abolish the police. Yeah, the police, but you still need to have them around to And by the way, just, just as an aside, it must be so hard to be a black barber, right? Because like 90% of your shop is always just filled with reporters trying to interview black people. I'm sure black barbers are just like, yo, hey man, black people go to other places too. You guys ever heard of a grocery store? Shit, I'm trying to cut hair. But let me tell you my views on this issue as well. Now that you're here. 
But aside from the rejection of police reform in Minneapolis, there were setbacks for Democrats across the country last night. First of all, they barely, and I mean barely, eked out a victory in the race for governor of New Jersey. And that state is more blue than an orgy of Smurfs. But the bigger loss was in Virginia, or as it's known by its full name, East West Virginia. Because Virginia has been becoming more and more democratic for years now. They voted for the first black president and the first black-faced governor. So everyone expected them to elect another democratic governor. But Virginia had other plans. Republicans reign. Glenn Youngkin, the projected winner in Virginia's high-stakes battle for governor, a stunning reversal in a solidly democratic state. All righty, Virginia, we won this thing! narrowly defeating his Democratic opponent, former Governor Terry McAuliffe, in a state President Biden won by 10 points just one year ago. That is why uh, there on the, in the Oval Office, there's a big red warning light uh, flashing right now after what happened in Virginia with the Republican winning. Could be a red flag for the upcoming midterms for Democrats. Oh, okay, okay. I know there were a lot of factors here, but, but whatever this was, this, that definitely didn't help. I mean, I guess you know what they say, dance like nobody's voting for you. And what's especially shocking about this result is that Joe Biden won Virginia by 10 points just a year ago. That is a huge swing, people. That's like a Kim Kardashian going from Kanye to Pete Davidson level swing. Now, on the one hand, this is just one race to lead one state. Please don't get me wrong. But as you heard, it could also be a bellwether of the things to come in the midterms next year. You know, the same way your girlfriend's saying, that guy's cute, is a bellwether that you're gonna be single soon. So, why did Democrats do so badly in Virginia last night? Well, it depends on who you ask. This is a major defeat for the Democratic Party. Yes, it's a referendum on President Biden. The voters are, you know, disappointed in Biden, angry at Biden, distressed about what other things they see about inflation. The problem with, with Democrats is they made this about Trump, and Trump was not on the ballot. Youngkin cut into McAuliffe's margins in Democratic strongholds by focusing on education, including the controversial critical race theory. There's no doubt that critical race theory is a weapon that he uh, utilized to great effect. The messages tonight is, is that the liberal policies that are being pushed right now through Washington are not necessarily very successful. This is not a referendum on liberal versus progressive versus moderate in the Democratic Party. This is a referendum on the fact that they haven't gotten anything done. Oof, all right, it would be bad enough if Democrats had one reason they lost, but they have like 50. I mean, it's Biden's unpopularity, it's worries about the economy, it's the fact that the pandemic is still hanging around like the Tootsie Rolls three weeks after Halloween, and then there's strategy problems. I mean, Democrats kept trying to fire up their base by making this race about Donald Trump. But here's the thing, Trump wasn't running. Honestly, Democrats, you should enjoy this break from Trump while you can, because after he wins in 2024 and declares himself emperor, you'll be running against him forever. And on the Republican side, I mean, there's no denying that Glenn Youngkin's fear-mongering about critical race theory also played a role. And honestly, this, my friends, this is where Republicans really excel. I mean, they set the agenda. They know how to play the game. Because a year ago, if you asked anyone what critical race theory was, they'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But if you ask them now, they'll be like, I still have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm terrified of it. And it's not just critical race theory. Republicans have been doing this for decades 
and they are great at it. Everything America fights about, they start it. All these culture wars. The trans people wanna use your bathroom. The gays wanna defile marriage. There's a war on Christmas. They're trying to kill Santa. Dead people and illegal immigrants are voting. It's all them, smart. What you need to understand is, if they can set the agenda, then they can choose the fight. Like if I'm gonna fight Floyd Mayweather, I'm not gonna choose to fight him in the ring. I'm gonna choose to fight him in a spelling bee, yeah. Then we'll see who the greatest of all time is, champ. C-H-A-M-P, champ. I mean, for the most part, Democrats don't wanna engage in those culture wars because they think that they can win on policy alone. But where that plan falls apart is that they're not getting anything actually done because all their ideas are tied up in infighting and bickering. And that makes a difference. Makes a huge difference in messaging because when Republicans say, Democrats are teaching your kids that white people are all bad, what can Democrats say? No, we're not doing that. Okay, then what are you doing? Well, right now we're trying to get you six weeks of paid leave. Huh? What, no, zero weeks? Okay, no paid leave, but we are getting you free college. Huh, what's that? No, no, okay, no free college, but we are raising taxes on rich people. What's that? No, oh, we're cutting the taxes on rich people, and that's the Democrat promise. She has a simple message to the Democrats. You can come with all the nice ideas in the world, but if you can't make the changes that you promised, then best believe voters are gonna make some changes of their own. All right, when we come back, we'll take a look at a secret trick to get you all out of debt. You don't wanna miss it. Welcome back to The Daily Show. Let's talk about Johnson and Johnson. Right now, you probably know them best as the bronze medal winner in the 2021 vaccine Olympics. They just beat out the Trinidadian vaccine that turned Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend into a human beanbag chair. And while their vaccine is getting most of the attention right now, J&J is also responsible for hundreds of other products and brands. You know, they basically make everything in a Walgreens aside from the Christmas decorations and those action figures divorced dads buy on their way to their kid's birthday. But one of the signature Johnson & Johnson products has landed them in some big legal and financial trouble. And we'll tell you the shocking way that they're trying to get out of it in another installment of Bad Company. Since 1886, Johnson & Johnson's name has been on everything. Baby oil, shampoo and conditioner, moisturizer, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson. But one of their most iconic products is talcum baby powder. And while it might have kept our downstairs dry, it also may have caused some very harmful side effects. Johnson & Johnson is facing thousands of lawsuits over allegations that some of its talk powder was contaminated with asbestos. It's been a product mainstay for Johnson & Johnson for decades. Now, talcum baby powder is at the center of multiple investigations. At issue, has the company hidden evidence that its baby powder is linked to asbestos and ovarian cancer in women who use it around their genitals? J&J has long since denied the claim, but now documents reveal the company knew about the presence of small amounts of asbestos in its products as far back as 1957. 
but did not disclose that to the public. Thousands of people have sued J&J, some winning tens of millions of dollars in judgments. Johnson & Johnson ordered to pay $55 million to a South Dakota woman who blamed her ovarian cancer on the company's talcum powder. A St. Louis jury awarded 62-year-old Lois Slemp more than $110 million. A jury awarding a California woman $417 million. One single verdict for 20 women exceeded $2 billion. Hoo-wee. That's a lot of lawsuits. I mean, you know you f***ed up when your company is giving away more money than Powerball. And I get why it's happening. Because, guys, you cannot be selling baby powder with asbestos in it. People are rubbing this stuff all over their bodies. Not to mention the cocaine dealers who mix it in with their product. Now you've got innocent cokeheads snorting asbestos. It's unacceptable. Now, the experts over at Johnson & Johnson, they, they, they have found a cure. But unfortunately, it's not a cure for the cancer. It's for the company's legal problems. Johnson & Johnson is filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy in hopes of what the company says of disposing of 40,000 lawsuits. In order to limit their liability, as well as to shield their corporate assets, Johnson & Johnson pulled something that's actually known as the Texas Legal Loophole, also known as the Texas Two-Step Defense. J&J is this super rich health products company headquartered in New Jersey. So J&J went to Texas and using a quirk of that state's laws, they created a completely new company called LTL. Then Johnson & Johnson dumped all the liability for these baby powder asbestos lawsuits, you know, tens of billions of dollars of legal risk into this new firm. Then the new company, LTL, quickly filed for bankruptcy. Critics say the company is abusing the legal system and have called the bankruptcy filing a gimmick. Yeehaw! The Texas two-step. I'll spin that jury round and round. Change your name and flee the town. Do I get a record deal? This is insane, people. Johnson & Johnson is pretty much trying to do the first thing everyone thinks of when they get caught. Blame it on their evil identical twin. I mean, we've all tried it. The only difference is it somehow actually works if you're a powerful corporation. Honestly, I'm, I'm almost impressed. I just wish they put as much effort into COVID immunity as they did into their legal immunity. But look, as, as crazy as this is, J&J is hardly a trailblazer when it comes to abusing bankruptcy laws to get out of trouble. Purdue Pharma has filed for bankruptcy as the maker of OxyContin tries to protect itself from mounting lawsuits. Purdue Pharma made billions off the painkiller OxyContin. The bankruptcy filing is seen as a way to protect Purdue Pharma from nearly 3,000 lawsuits. The Boy Scouts of America has filed for bankruptcy protection after an onslaught of lawsuits alleging rampant sexual abuse of children for decades. They may claim that they don't have the ability to play these, pay these claims, but the real reality is that they use the bankruptcy to really continue to hide and shield themselves from real liability and forced disclosure. The Roman Catholic Church is one of the world's wealthiest institutions. Across the United States, priest abuse victims, now adults, are lining up to sue their diocese for damages. But the church is going to extraordinary lengths to protect its assets, and that strategy is bankruptcy. Chapter 11 was not designed to protect organizations who've engaged in criminal conduct or basically protecting criminal conduct. It was designed to give companies who made bad business decisions a new start. Yeah, I'm sorry, people. Purdue Pharma 
is not bankrupt. And the Catholic Church is definitely not bankrupt. Ain't no bishops rolling into pawn shops asking how much they can get for that Michelangelo ceiling. Now, the Boy Scouts are the ones where I'm like, yeah, you, you might actually be broke. I mean, these guys are rubbing sticks together to start a fire, my man. A 12-pack of Bic lighters is like three bucks. Get your life together. But for real, we know it's all bullshit, right? And shielding super-rich institutions from punishment isn't what bankruptcy protections are supposed to be about. And fortunately, there's a movement in Congress to end some of these abuses of bankruptcy laws. And here to talk about it is California Congresswoman Katie Porter. Representative Porter, welcome to The Daily Show. Thank you so much. Let's jump straight into the issue at hand. I I didn't know this before I was reading up on this issue, but you taught bankruptcy law for years before joining Congress. And now, once again, bankruptcy is in the conversation with Johnson & Johnson, them wanting to split off their baby powder company as a separate entity so that Johnson & Johnson as a whole can't be held liable for what happened to so many people out there. From a bankruptcy expert's point of view, as somebody who studied it and taught it, What do you think we're missing in these conversations when we allow companies to declare bankruptcy to avoid some sort of, I guess, accountability? I think this is fundamentally a problem about preventing corporate abuse. And bankruptcy is really the tool that these corporations are using to avoid liability for the damage and harms that they caused. In this case, many, many, many women getting devastating and deadly cancers from using baby powder laced with asbestos. Um, But fundamentally, this isn't really a bankruptcy problem. It's a larger problem about how do we make sure that companies that make money are also on the hook for paying for the harm that they cause along the way. And that's a problem we see in environmental issues with offshore drilling, for example, and oil leaks. It's a problem that we see with product liability. Um, And so this is one more example of it, but the bankruptcy issue here does, I think, tend to be a place where corporations have been very successful at getting off the hook. Yeah, why does it seem that individuals are held to a different standard to corporations and that if I do something to you, I would be forced to pay for that or I would be forced to make amends for what I'd done. But if I, as a corporation, did something to you, I can somehow get off the hook. We saw that with the Sackler family with the opioid crisis. You know, millions of Americans are either dead or, you know, addicted to drugs because of this opioid crisis. And I think the key thing that is similar to the Johnson & Johnson is that they knew. We find out time and time again that the companies knew what they were doing was harming people. It wasn't a mistake. And then not only did they not say anything, but oftentimes they pushed their products even more. Like, is there any shift amongst yourself and your colleagues in holding these companies accountable? Absolutely. So we're working on legislation that would limit companies' abilities to do this. So it's important to remember the entire idea of a corporation is to, in fact, protect the owners from being fully liable Mm -hmm. for things that go wrong. And the idea is if we were all on the hook for everything we did wrong, we would not take risks. We would not invent new products. We would not develop new things. So that principle is good, but it has to have bounds and limits. And what we're seeing with the Sacklers, what we're seeing with Johnson & Johnson is companies use very, basically exploit a combination of state and federal law to get off the hook. The whole point of bankruptcy is to help companies or people who cannot pay. Johnson & Johnson can pay. 
This is a company with $440 billion. It is perfectly capable of paying for the harms it caused. One of the, 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 the more disturbing um, facts from the story is the fact that Johnson & Johnson specifically targeted black women to use the products even though they knew that they were harmful and they knew that I think 60% of, the, of their customer base of that talc powder was specifically black women. It, 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 I think it definitely would erode the trust that people have in these, in these companies. It erodes their trust in whether or not they can be held accountable. And there's, there's no denying, I mean, even now with vaccines, a lot of people in the black community are saying, we don't trust any of these pharmaceutical companies. We don't trust America's medicine and its history with us as black people. And now there was, there's gonna be some people who say, well, then why should I get a Johnson & Johnson vaccine? How can I trust that? Are you, are you prepared for you know, what this means? Have, have you thought about how the fallout of Johnson & Johnson could affect, I think, a larger health messaging? I think that's a really interesting point. I do want to observe one really important difference about vaccines. Exactly because we have in our country let bad actors who have put products into the, into the product stream that have hurt people mm -hmm. get off the hook, we've taken a different approach for vaccines. So anyone who believes that they were harmed by a vaccine doesn't have to look to the manufacturer. You can go directly to a vaccine fund that already exists because we're not gonna make people, we want people to take vaccines and we want to reassure them that there will be damages, there'll be help if, they're, if they think they're harmed, there's a place to report that and to get the help that they deserve and the justice that they may need. And so we've actually, I think, on vaccines, corrected this injustice. The problem is we haven't done it for all these other products, mm. including, as you mentioned, opioids, including Johnson & Johnson and the baby powder and other kinds of dangerous products in the, in the, in the marketplace. And this is true, by the way, for things like safety seats, um, baby seats and car seats, another issue I've worked on, tainted baby food, baby formula. Th this is a chronic problem where companies put things into the marketplace, they know they're dangerous, and then they use corporate law to try to deny justice to those that they hurt. Before I let you go, I would be remiss if I did not talk to you about what the whole country is waiting to see um, a move on, and that is the Build Back Better plan. Uh, many people are frustrated, understandably, at the fact that they voted for Democrats. The Democrats are now in power. They want to see something happen. They, they want to see a change in, in their health care, you know, whether it's the dental and vision. They, they want to see a change in, in college and, and the price that people pay. They want to see changes in the things that Democrats promised them they would see changes in. And yet now it feels like not only is nothing happening, but the promise list is slowly being whittled down to a very small group of things. I mean, the last I saw it, you know, now the richest people would be getting tax cuts. What, what is your message to the American public and what is your message to your colleagues who, who may be holding up the system as you see the results, I mean, in Virginia speaking for themselves? We are definitely as close as we have ever been to moving this bill. I just heard my colleagues, I was in a meeting and we were all like, let's go vote on it right now. I think we are ready to do it. And I, I wanna say there are, there are times in this process where we've tried to get things done and we haven't gotten all of them. But I have to be honest, I never thought as a working mom, as a single parent in this country, that I would ever see my government understand how hard it is to afford childcare, would ever understand how important it is to give little kids, preschoolers, toddlers, that early childhood education they need. I never thought we would finally stand up to big oil companies and fossil fuel companies and protect our planet. And we are actually going to do those things in this bill. Mm. And I will tell you, everybody understands 
that this bill is the beginning of delivering on the president's promises. It is not the end. And so I feel very, very good that we are going to pass these programs. They are going to improve people's lives. So we have to keep on delivering for, for Americans, and we appreciate their patience as we get this done. Well, Representative Porter, thank you so much for taking the time, and uh, hopefully we'll see you back on the show again soon. Thanks so much. All right, when we come back, I'll be talking to the one and only Charlemagne the God. So don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My next guest is Leonard McKelvey, AKA Charlemagne the God. He's here to talk about The God's Honest Truth, his new weekly late night series for Comedy Central. That is true progress. Murder hey. for all. What's going on, Trevor, dude? what's up, my brother? How you doing, man? Blessed, black, and highly favored. How are you, sir? I love that. I love that. Yes, I'm, I'm doing great. I want to know all about you, though. Let's, let's start with the, uh, the most pressing question that I have. You moved into my old building, my studio. Yeah. Is it treating you well? Are you paying the rent? What's going on there? <laughs> I'm not paying the rent, but I hope we're doing enough to keep the lights on. <laughs> you know? Um, it's a beautiful place. We call it... The, I don't, did you have a name for it? When no. Was that? Okay, we named it The Happy Accident. Oh, The and, Happy Accident. Yeah, because, you know, Stephen Colbert, he's an executive producer on the right. show, and he always talks about how his career was a happy accident, and us ending up in that building was a happy accident. And um, my showrunner, Rachel Edwards, her company is actually called Happy Accident LLC, which I didn't know until me and Steven were having a conversation on set, and she happened to be standing by, and then she came over and let us know that her company is called The Happy Accident it's LLC. It's like a cosmic... Yeah, a lot of divine alignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Definitely. that, I like that. Definitely. Well, um, congratulations on the show. Thank you, sir. I mean, I'm enjoying watching you do your thing. I'm watching you grow every single week. Like, just... You know, you know what I enjoy about it is this... Um, it feels like the show is very much Charlemagne in that it is you molding yourself to the space. Yeah, it's very much Lennard. Oh, know? that's interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, because I think... You Who know, is Lennard? Well, Lennard is uh, the person that Charlemagne was kind of created to protect, you know? Because Lennard is the kid that grew up in Monk's Corner, South Carolina, who uh, had a lot of issues that he might not have uh, dealt with. So he created the character of Charlemagne to protect him. So now as I'm... Um, I'm older, it's like, yo, you can't really hide Lenard. You can't hide Lenard when, you know, he's a father of, of, of four beautiful daughters, and, you know, you can't really hide Lenard when Lenard's been in therapy for the past six years, and Lenard has written two books and given you so much of himself, and it just feels easier to be Lenard at wow, this point. that's inspiring, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like I should also tell the people my real name. What's your real name, Trevor? No, my Tamasanga. It's time for me to no, come. No, that's true, though. <laughs> no, because you're from South Africa. So that, that, don't... Trevor's a name I made up, people. I, I believe him. <laughs> is true? No, I actually wish I actually wish that was true. Oh, okay, but, okay, okay. but you know what I love about this is like this this is what I'm enjoying about the show and okay. about your journey as a human being is like uh, let's be honest, hip hop and mental health have not exactly been aligned. There, there, there hasn't been like a culture of like, yeah. you know, this is how hard I am and this is when I go to my therapist. That hasn't exactly been in that world. <laughs> when did you decide that you know what, therapy shouldn't be a secret thing that I that I conduct in a room once a week or whatever? This needs to be in the open. Yeah, I was going, I, I thought I was going crazy. Cause you know, for me, I had all the success, right? Like, you know, New York Times bestselling book, nationally syndicated radio show, everything was going great, but right. I literally was not happy. You know what I mean? Oof. So it's like I was dealing with like extreme bouts of depression and the anxiety started to get worse. And I remember actually being on vacation and I had this moment of peace where I didn't feel any of that. And I hadn't felt that in probably ever because I've dealt with panic attacks my whole life. So I literally was like, how can I feel like this all the time without going on vacation? And that's when I started the journey, probably like in 2016, mm -hmm. of like going to therapy. And at the same time, I started, you know, writing my book. So that was, a, I was peeling back so many different layers, starting in therapy, starting with writing the book. 
and it would be like it wouldn't be authentic of me to go on the radio and talk about anything else other than what I was going through. Yeah, it's been it's become a big part of your. I mean, your, your Instagram is do. dedicated to it. Your your show. I mean, the God's honest truth. I mean, yeah, you're yeah, talking so. about racism. You're talking about you know the Democrats. You're talking about politics, and then it's like, oh, we're doing a thing on mental health. Listen, man, God, black women, and therapy are my, my life sources. Those, <laughs> those are my sources of power at this point in my life. You know what's crazy? I got Wolverine tattooed on my arm, right? And I got this tattoo when I was 17 years old uh-huh. in South Carolina where tattoos were illegal. This dude named T. Willis did it. I don't even know if T. Willis is still alive, but salute to T. Willis. He did this tattoo on my arm, and I always gravitated towards Wolverine because of his healing powers. I didn't know what the hell that was when I was 17. I just thought that it was cool that this dude could just bounce back right. from anything. Now, at this age of my, at this point in my life, I'm sitting back like, that's all I want to do. I've dedicated my life to not only my own healing journey, right. but helping other people heal. You're trying to be an emotional Wolverine. Emotional. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what you're saying. Exactly. Right. 100%. Won't make the same money at the box office, but nah, 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 it will nah, be nah. a fulfilling journey. I, I, exactly. Yeah. He's, he's bleeding to death, but he feels good inside. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the God's Honest Truth. Yes. I love the title. Thank you. You, you had uh, one of Biden's people on the show. Cedric Richmond, senior yes. advisor to Joe Biden. Uh-huh. You know, you, you grilled him. On, a lot of people love the question, for instance, what has Joe Biden done for black people and since he came yeah. seeing that black people are the reason that he's in the seat that he's in now. Well, I'm actually just concerned because I'm an American citizen and I really do feel like, you know, the death of democracy is at our doorstep. Simply because there's things that, you know, the Democratic Party could be doing, in particular the Biden administration, that they're not Such as? doing. I mean, number one, you, you got to get rid of the filibuster so you can properly govern, right? Um, I think you've got to prosecute, you know, the people who attempted a coup on this country on January 6th. Not just the, the, the people who physically tried to do it, but the politicians and stuff that may have been behind it, you know? Um, I think you have to pack the Supreme Court. Like, you absolutely positively have to, especially when you, you see, you know, the Supreme Court. You know, the Supreme Court is literally holding up Handmaid's Tales laws in Texas in regards to abortion. So now, I mean, people would come with the opposite argument and they go, like, when does the swing end in America? Because then Mitch McConnell goes, all right, you do this now. And then as soon as I get into power, Charlemagne, I'm going to flip this around and I'm going to double pack the court. And then you're going to see what happens to you. Well, does it matter? Because if you actually do what you're supposed to do by your people, you might not ever have to worry about being out of power. Right now, <laughs> right now, they have some real concerns. Matter of fact, no, they're going to lose in 2022. Let's mm. just call it what it is. You know that. They're going to lose in 2022 because they haven't fulfilled any of the promises that they said that they were going to fulfill. And the fact that they could, they actually could do it, right? When you see that as Joe Manchin and uh, Kirsten Cinema, or Kristen Cinema blocking it's Biden's Kirsten, agenda, Kirsten, Kirsten. Kirsten. whatever, cinema, you know, God bless right. her. But it's those two people blocking Biden's agenda and they're Democrats. What does that say to the people that voted for them? Like, we put y'all in office to help our interests, but now you got two of your own blocking your interests? Yep. Trump would never allow that. That's <laughs> you true. think Trump would That's allow true. two people in his party? Oh, he'd party? allow anybody. Oh, come on, he'd have nicknames <laughs> for them. He'd be mad at you for correcting um, him on, his, on her first name. Oh, he'd be out there. He'd be Come like, on. slow cinema, Come on. slow cinema. Come on, man. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm concerned. Okay. I really okay. am concerned. Well, uh, I, I would tell people to watch your show, but I haven't been invited to it, so... I would love to have you on. Uh, I don't know. You say I, that. I don't know how the Comedy Central protocol works. I don't... Oh, I'm, so, I'm shocked I'm here. Now there's protocol? <laughs> I don't When has there ever been protocol? <laughs> you just texted me random things. Now there's protocol? <laughs> No, I'd love to have you on. I appreciate you. You're on the right place. My guy. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, sir. All right. The God's Honest Truth with Charlemagne the God as Fridays at 10 p.m. on Comedy Central and it streams on Paramount Plus if you do not do cable. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, 
please consider supporting When We All Vote. It's a national, nonpartisan initiative to change the culture around voting and to increase participation in each and every election by helping to close the race and age voting gap. If you want to support their work, then donate at the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and remember, if you're a Democrat who's upset about the way the election went, remember, there's always next year when it's really gonna hurt. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 